Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening to this program every week at this same time. As you know, if you've listened before, we answer questions from the audience, Bible questions. The only rule is that all the answers have to come from the Bible. Somebody from the audience may have an answer to a Bible question. The answer has to come from the Bible. That's the only thing, rule that we go by here because remember, there's a, the difference between God speaking on religion and a man, including myself speaking on religion, is like the difference, except even more so, the difference between Albert Einstein speaking on the theory of relativity and a cockroach speaking on the theory of relativity. Now, sometimes people wonder why on this program we deal with doctrinal issues and point out why we have to follow Jesus' word, and if a person is not following his word, there's a problem. The reason we do a lot of that is because of passages like Acts 20, 26-27, verse 31, that teaches that it's our job to warn others if they're not following the Bible. That's our job. Back in the Old Testament, if a person didn't warn as he ought to, if I didn't warn as I ought to, my blood, their blood would be required at my hand. Ezekiel 3.18 says this, When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou speakest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require in thy hand, at thine hand. Now, the same principle is taught in the New Testament. I'm going to Acts 20, as I said. 26 and 27, Paul said, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. In other words, your blood is not on my hand. Why? For I have not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. Verse 27. Verse 31. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. That's what I'm doing on this program. That's what we're trying to do on this program. Is We're trying to preach the whole counsel of God. We're trying to warn people night and day with tears. Why? So that people's blood won't be on our hands because we hadn't told them the truth. You know, only the truth will set us free from sin. John 8, verse 32. Last week, Steve, my buddy Steve Klein and I were talking about baptism in Jesus' name. And Steve was pointing out that, of course, that doing something in the name of Christ, Colossians 3, 17, means doing it by his authority. So baptism in Jesus' name, it means baptizing somebody by the authority of Christ. In other words, because Christ told them to. Now, let me start by asking you this question. Let's suppose a Catholic priest were to sprinkle a baby, calling it baptism. He says, I baptize you in the name of Christ. Would that mean it is in the name of Christ just because he said that certain formula of words, I baptize you in the name of Christ when he, he's just sprinkling babies? Of course not. Those words don't mean anything. They don't prove that you're doing something in the name of Christ just because you say it. Baptizing in the name of Christ is baptizing by the authority of Christ, doing it because Christ told you to do it. He never told anybody to sprinkle babies for baptism. Well, let's establish that from the Bible. First, let's talk about infant baptism. Is that scriptural? Well, before I talk about infant baptism directly, I want to talk about what why infant baptism was started to begin with. And it was started by the Catholic Church because they had this false teaching that babies inherit the original sin of Adam, that babies are born guilty of sin. That's a false teaching. We're going to show it in a minute. 
And because of that false teaching, they started thinking about that and says, what if these babies who are born guilty of sin die before they can grow up and become Christians, you know, <laughs> become believers? Well, they'll be lost because they have the sin of Adam on their hands. So we better baptize them while they're infants to get rid of that inherited original sin. You see, one false doctrine led to another. This false doctrine that babies inherit the original sin of Adam, sometimes called total depravity or the inherited original sin, is completely false. runs totally contrary to what the Bible says. But because the Catholics and the Calvinists taught it, then that infant baptism was invented. Of course, infant baptism is not in the Bible. Let's look at a passage that talks about, that would help us to see that this idea of babies inheriting original sin is false. I'm going to read just because maybe it'll help you to understand it. Instead of reading from the King James Version, I'm going to read from the New International Version from Ezekiel 18, verse 20. It says, The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. So this idea of a baby inheriting the guilt of the, the, the original sin of Adam is just flat out denied by this verse. It's the one who sins. That's the one who's going to die spiritually. The child will not share the guilt of the parent. So I did not share the guilt, inherit the guilt of my dad, Kenneth, or my mother, Janine, Seth, the third son of Adam and Eve, who we probably all came from. This verse is, teaches unequivocally that he did not inherit sin from his parents. How would it have gotten to us? This verse says, no child inherits sin from their parents. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them. In other words, if you do something righteous, you're going to get credit for that by God. And I'm not. And if I do something wicked, the wickedness of the wicked shall be charged against them. You're not going to be credited with the wickedness. You're not going to be charged with the wickedness. When Adam did something wicked, ate of the forbidden fruit, none of us are going to be charged with that. That's what this verse is saying. The idea of inherited original sin is absolutely false, and so there's no need to have infant baptism. Babies don't have any sin to get forgiven of. If you have a Bible question, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, could be talking about this topic or any other topic, 877-655-6755. And then let's look at Ecclesiastes 7.29. I'm going to again look at this from the NIV. It says, and I quote, this only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. And it's talking about sinful schemes. Now notice, God created all men upright, not just Adam. And you know that uh, because it says they have gone in search of many schemes. It didn't say God made man upright, but Adam committed one sin. It said God made mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. It's talking about all men. So Adam and Eve were created upright, of course, and so was I, and so were you. When you were born as a baby, God made you upright. This verse says exactly that. He made you upright. He created you upright is the way the NIV puts it. He created mankind upright. You're made upright, not guilty of sin. There's, you have no need to baptize an infant because he's completely innocent. When he's born, we all ought to be able to look at a baby and tell that he's innocent. But for some reason, somebody decided to make up this doctrine of inherited original sin. And once after they made up that doctrine and started teaching it, people started thinking about it. So they had to make up another doctrine, this practice of infant baptism, because they had to baptize these babies to get rid of their sins because they were going to be lost if they died in infancy because of the sin of Adam. 
Nothing can be further from the truth. One false doctrine led to another. Well, let's talk about some passages that directly teach us that infant baptism is unscriptural. How about Mark 16, 15, and 16? I'll be reading this from the New King James Version. It says, And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, of course, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, looking at those two verses, the second verse, verse 16, talks about baptism. But what would a person have to do? It, there's two things that have to occur before this person could be baptized. First, somebody has got to preach the gospel to him. So he's got to hear the gospel. He's got to understand the gospel. And then he's got to believe the gospel. He who believes that is baptized. So somebody's got to preach the gospel to you, or you have to read it in the Bible for yourself. You have to understand the gospel. You have to believe the gospel. Only then can you be baptized. An infant can do none of those things. So Mark 16, 15 and 16 te teaches that infant baptism is unscriptural. That should be easy to see. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us at 877-655-6755. And then Acts 2, verse 38. Peter's talking to believers in Acts 2. They want to know what to do to be forgiven for the sin of crucifying the Son of God. Peter says unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now notice, here's a person that's supposed to be baptized. He's going to get the remission of sins if he's baptized. Of course, a lot of people teach that you get saved from your sins before you're baptized, but this verse teaches you've got to be baptized to be forgiven of, of your sins, and that's what we talked about a lot in the last two weeks. Baptism in the name of Christ is being baptized for the remission of sins. But notice they had to repent they had to repent before they could be baptized do you see that they had to repent before they could be baptized so can a baby repent no a baby can't repent so a baby's not qualified to be baptized according to acts chapter 2 verse 38 a baby's not qualified to be baptized anton from canada go ahead with your bible question or comment please Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? So, doing uh, great. Just, um, okay, great, great. That sounds good. Uh, just wanting, uh, like, wanted to uh, make a comment. Uh, being, being innocent is not the same as being without sin. Okay, appreciate your comment. There's, you know, there, can you prove that by the Bible? Hmm, I don't know if we lost Anton. Uh, yeah, let me see I if hear. I can pick him back up. Oh, here you go. I don't know. Somehow, you're back on. Can you prove that by the Bible that being innocent is not the same as being innocent of sin? Well, let's, let's, let's just think about real life. You know, like uh, if someone commits a, a murder, uh, a murder, and uh, it, it, uh, you know, they, they, they believe it's me, but, but uh, in, in reality, I'm innocent. Uh, so the judge says, well, you're, you're innocent of this crime. That doesn't mean that I'm without sin. It means just that it just means that that I haven't committed that particular crime. So right. babies are born oh, innocent. That's true, Anton. But that's true, Anton. But what the Bible yeah. is saying is that that God creates man upright, so they're innocent of not just the sin of murder; they're innocent of all sin. He creates them upright. It says that's what Ecclesiastes seven twenty nine says. Ezekiel eighteen says the child shall not share, bear 
uh, let me read it from the NIV since that's where I read it before. The child will not share the guilty of the parent. So it's not that they're just innocent of murder. A child is born innocent of all sin. So even according to Anton's reasoning, a baby is without sin because he's innocent of all sin. Sin is not something you inherit anyway. You inherit something like your hair color, your eye color. Sin is more like washing your hands or riding a bike, something you do. A baby hasn't done anything. He's not done anything necessarily right or wrong. He's done nothing. He's not sinned. It's not just, just that he's innocent of murder or one sin. He's innocent of any sin. God created him upright, innocent. That's what upright would mean, would be innocent of any and all sin. So even according to Anton's reasoning, a baby is born completely without sin. Therefore, he does not need to be baptized. Richard from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I made a comment, but I don't know how to say it in English. It's purgatory. Purgatoire. It's when the person, when he dies, goes in place, and he has to wait till he comes out before going to heaven. Okay, Richard, how you been doing? I hadn't talked to you in a, in a couple months, right? Yeah. Uh, are you asking about Are you asking about the place that he goes to when he's waiting on going to heaven? Yes. Richard, are you familiar with the with the story of the rich man and Lazarus that's in Luke sixteen nineteen through thirty one? Yes, I do because it says the rich man uh, goes in a in a place where he's having pain and suffering. And there's a was a poor man, and a poor man he's, he's in a well place, and he wants to drop a, a drop of water on his tongue. Yeah. So the rich man, as you said, is in torments. The Lazarus is in paradise. Another passage we call it, or it's called Abraham's bosom. He, Abraham Abraham's bosom here, or comfort. Mm-hmm. So this is the place Hades, where people go while they're waiting on the judgment day. And you're already going to know your fate at this point, because if you're in torment, then on the judgment day, you'll be thrown into the bad place, H-E-L-L. And if you're in comfort here in Hades in Luke 16, then you're going to go to heaven. Does that make sense, Richard? Yes, it does, because I've got a Christian woman, Christian friend. The place you go, you have to wait before going to heaven. I said, no, when you die, you believe in God, you go straight in heaven, because if you believe in him, I don't believe you have to wait to a place. I know about one when you suffer, yes, but not when you have to wait before going heaven. Richard, did have you had any studies with my friend that I hooked you up with in the last couple of months? Yes, uh, he did, and he was a good person, but uh, his, fa- his mother is not a good health. When he's ready, he's go, he, just, he is going to call me back. Okay. Here's what I want you to do, Richard. You can find out about this place. In Luke 16, 19 through 31, read that and perhaps you and I send me an email and we can talk about it further, okay? Okay, Luke 16. Luke 16, 19 through 31 describes this waiting place that people wait in Hades while they're waiting on Judgment Day. Thank you for your call, Richard. Okay, thank you. Good to hear from you again. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Appreciate those two calls. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now I want us to turn to Acts chapter 8. Again, I'm reading from the New King James Version. I'm first going to read verse 12. Philip is preaching in Samaria. 
excuse me, I'm going to read from verse 6 to start with. It says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So there's multitudes here, here, hearing Philip preach. Now, if you have multitudes, I don't know how many that means. It doesn't tell us how many, but we'll just guess two or 300 people maybe. There's multitudes listening to Philip preach, probably more than that. And if you have multitudes, most likely there's going to be some infants and small children there. But I want you to notice from verse 12 who was baptized. Verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So even though there were likely infants and small children in this multitude of people hearing Philip preach, the only people that were baptized were adults, men and women. We don't mean when we say men and women that they necessarily had to be 21 years old. Well, probably back then they were probably considered to be an adult when they were 12. But the only people who were baptized, according to verse 12, even though there were likely some small children and infants in the audience, the only people that were baptized were men and women. Verse 12 says it's those that believe. You have to believe before you can be baptized according to Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Can infants believe? No. Therefore, infants are not scriptural candidates for baptism. And as we pointed out, they don't need to be baptized. They don't have any sin. They're completely innocent of any and all sin. They don't need to be baptized. We've shown that. Now, let's talk about the other topic we were going to think about, sprinkling for baptism. Sprinkling for baptism. First of all, let's look up the Greek word that's translated baptism. This Greek word is baptisto. You know, if you're reading something and you don't know uh, what a word means, you look it up in the dictionary. So let's look up the word baptism in the dictionary. Actually, we're going to look up the Greek word baptizo that's translated baptism. Since this was written in Greek, I think we ought to look it up that way. And if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Well, I think we'll just go ahead and take this call while we got a chance. Peter from Canada, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, uh, Romans uh, 10, uh, 12 through 13 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, and the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yep. Peter. So we but we know from verse 13 that you have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, right? Yes. Right? Now, verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So calling on the name of the Lord is not the same thing as belief. It's something that comes after belief. What Paul is saying here is you have to believe first before you can call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm glad we're not left in the dark about what calling on the name of the Lord means. When Ananias was sent to tell Paul what to do to be saved, he says, and now why tarriest thou? In Alabama, we'd say, what you waiting on? And now why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the way one calls upon the name of the Lord is by doing what the Lord said to do to be saved. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So how would you ask God? How would you call upon God to save you? By believing and being baptized. We read Acts 2 before. In Acts chapter 2, verse 21, it also says, like Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
And then the details of that are given in verse 38. How do they call upon the name of the Lord? Acts 2.21, verse 38 tells us. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So the way you call upon God to save you is by repenting and being baptized. Does that make sense, Peter? Nope. Because <laughs> you, you admit that you're a sinner before the Lord. You believe in Jesus is the Lord, and you call upon his name to, for salvation. It's all about grace. It's all about I have a grace. In, in God, I, I'm believed and I'm given grace that I have salvation. Thank you for your call, Peter. You know, whenever a person, of course, we know what the Bible means by calling upon the name of the Lord. Maybe Peter doesn't agree with the Bible, but I, God didn't write the Bible. God said in Acts 22, 16, arise and be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So we learn from that the way you call upon the name of the Lord. The way a believer calls upon the name of the Lord is by being baptized, and that's when his sins are washed away. And, of course, we're saved by grace, of course. If a person repents and is baptized for the remission of sins, then he's admitting that he needs grace, that he needs the remission of sins. Why would a person repent and be baptized for the remission of sins if he didn't think he needed the remission of sins? So the very way to admit that you need grace is to get baptized for the remission of sins. And if you don't get baptized for the remission of sins, in other words, or in order to get the remission of sins, then you're not really admitting properly that you need grace. You don't really think you need grace. If you really thought you'd need grace, that you needed the forgiveness of sins, then you'd do what God said and repent and be baptized to get the forgiveness of sins. But a person who refuses to do that or to believe that is really saying they don't really think they need grace. Because if they needed it, they would do exactly what God said to do to get it, and that is to repent and be baptized. Now, we're talking about sprinkling. What is the definition of that Greek word baptizo? Thayer says it means immersion or submersion. Vine says it means immersion, submersion, and emergence, to dip. Wygram Green says it means to immerse. So if you just know the definition for the Greek word baptizo, you would know that baptism should be an immersion. And you can also tell this from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Romans chapter 6, verse 4, says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, when somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard to bury them, does that mean we just sprinkle a little dirt on their head, or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? Well, we know, all the way up under the ground, that's what the word bury means. So when we're going to bury somebody in baptism, like Romans 6, 4 says, we're going to not just sprinkle a little water on their head. We're going to put them all the way up under the water. You can see the same thing from verse 5. It says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. If you take that verse along with Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 13, I think what you see is that baptism is supposed to be a likeness or a picture of the burial and resurrection of Christ. Now, immersion fits that perfectly. Somebody goes down into the water, it looks like somebody being buried. Then they come up out of the water in baptism, it looks like Jesus being raised from the dead. Immersion is a likeness of the burial and resurrection of Christ. Sprinkling is not. And Romans 6 verse 5 teaches us that baptism should be a likeness of the burial and resurrection of Christ. So immersion is the only thing that qualifies. Last week, we were talking about what does it mean to baptize somebody in the name of Christ, which is required by passages like Acts 2.38? has nothing to do with what the baptizer said. It has everything to do with, with baptizing somebody by the authority of Christ. And that means, as Steve ably pointed out 
in the last two weeks. That means you're baptizing somebody for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. In order to be saved, Mark 16, 16. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save you. Acts 22.16, Ananias told Saul to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So the blood of Christ washes away our sins, not when we believe, but when we're baptized. And baptism in the name of Jesus Christ means, as we pointed out today, that it means immersing believers, not sprinkling babies. So when the Catholic priest takes a little baby and sprinkles him and say, I, I'm doing this in the name of Christ, well, no, he's not. He's just saying he is. He's not. Christ never said, to sprinkle babies for baptism. Now, a lot of churches, besides the Catholic Church, they don't baptize for the remission of sins. They think you're saved before you're baptized. They sprinkle babies for baptism. They're not baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ if they're doing any of these things. If they're baptizing people who they think are already saved or they're sprinkling babies, they're not baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ by his authority. They're not doing what he told them to do. If you'd like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256 682 9753